Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Father, uh, we thank you once again for allowing us to be here today. We thank you for your word that we are about to receive. Uh, Lord, some of us are in different levels. Some of us are in different stages of life. And uh, for some of us, this is going to apply in different, many different ways, Lord. But I just ask you, Lord, that you specifically speak into each one of our lives, that area that needs attention, that area that you, Lord, want to work on in our lives. We just ask you, God, that you uh, today begin to move our hearts, begin that your Holy Spirit begin to speak into our minds, into our hearts, into our lives, and that, Lord, we can do your will in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our church. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for City Church. Thank you for this amazing group of people uh, that love you, and that want to serve you and are willing, Lord, to, to hear your voice, Lord. So I just ask you to speak today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Hallelujah. Today we're beginning a new uh, series of messages. Um, we are calling this series of messages Home. I'm excited because I've been wanting to do a, a, a message series uh, a sermon series on the family. Um, I want to eventually get around to doing one on, on marriage specifically. But I, I thought that today would be a, a, a good starting point where we can talk about the family and we can talk about things that happen in our homes and what the Bible has to say, what the Word of God has to say about the relationships that we have in our, in our homes. Now home... Uh, you know, we, we think of home and we think of a building or we think of, of somewhere that we go um, every day after work or where we sleep. But when we think of the word home, there, there may be different, different thoughts that come into our mind. Um, thoughts such as maybe rest, uh, maybe peace, uh, companionship, maybe family, uh, friendship. And of course, we think of the word love when we think about home. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter how big uh, your home may be as far as the actual place, the actual physical uh, location. It doesn't matter if it's big, if it's small, if it's older, if it's newer. If that is your home, that is your home. It doesn't matter if you walk in and it smells like feet. It's home. Right? It's home. Your home. Your your home, and there is the place that, that you hope to arrive to where you can find some rest. Now, there's very many famous quotes on home. Obviously, the first one that comes to mind is home, sweet home. Home, sweet home. Another one is home is where the heart is. Now, there was a, a philosopher, an author by the name of Confucius, and he said that the strength of a nation derives from the integrity of home. 
So the strength of the nation depends on the home, depends on the, the, the home unit, the family unit. And I think that we can actually apply this to church where I believe that the, that the strength of a church truly depends on the families and the homes that are present within that church. If there are healthy families, healthy homes, there's going to be a healthy church. Amen? And, and this is very important. Uh, another quote that I found that I thought was, was very true was by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. He said that he is happiest, be he a king, be he a peasant, who finds peace in his home. And, and I think that this is so true because there's a couple of conditions here that, that we can be happy at home. It doesn't matter whether we're a king, we're a peasant, whether we're a, 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 a middle, middle class, um, whatever class that we may be in, wherever society says that we are, we can be happy at home. But there's a, a caveat, there's a, there's a condition that we have to find peace in our home in order to be happy. So the question becomes is what happens when there is no peace at home? What happens when we can't truly say home, sweet home? What happens when we truly do not find rest at home? And we dread going home. We dread arriving. We dread, we fear getting there because we know there's going to be another fight. We know that things aren't going to be done the way we need them to be done. We know that it's just going to be another difficult evening to go through. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be speaking from Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6. I'm going to encourage you that as we go through these weeks, that you start familiarizing yourself with these two chapters. Ephesians chap chapter 5, chapter 6. I encourage you to read it, study it, read it again, study it. Find ways to apply this to your life. And see, what happens at home, I truly believe, because I've lived this, what happens at home directly affects our daily routine. It di directly affects what we do day in and day out. Because if you start off the morning right, right, uh, and you wake up, and I know I'm going to get in some hot water here, because I, believe me, I'm not the perfect husband. I'm not. You can... You can ask my wife and she can probably shout out amen right now. See? And, and I'm not the perfect husband. And I know there's things that I can get better at. I know there's things that I can... I'm not the perfect father. I'm not even the perfect son. There are areas in my life that I need to work on. And I know that, that this for a fact because there are times that when we start off our morning and there are certain expectations that are not met... During the morning, our day begins in a rocky fashion. Our day begins kind of rough. How many have been there? Come on, raise your hands. Had a rough start to the day. Amen. Just two, three of you. The other guys, they just don't want to admit it. Okay? Um, yeah. We start off when we leave home. And whether it's an argument between mom and dad, whether it's an argument with you and your, and your spouse, whether it's an argument with you and your kids... If you leave home angry, you leave home upset, it starts off the day in a bad manner, in a bad fashion. Amen? 
how we treat others and how close we get to others also depends on what happens at home. If we had a bad morning at home, we're going to get to work and we're going to be on the rampage. We're not going to be friendly. We're not going to be displaying the love of God. Uh, now, some of you, this is, I'm talking in generality. Some of us can get past some of this. We've gotten so immune or so numb to the many issues sometimes that we have at home that we get to work and it may be a place of peace. It may be a place of refuge. But see, when that happens, we have it backwards. Home should be peaceful. Home should be a place of refuge. Not work. Work is work. And because home is now a place of war or a war zone or a place where we're tested day in and day out, now we find peace at work. And what begins to happen? We begin to develop relationships with others. And at times, we may develop relationships that we shouldn't be developing because of what's going on at home. What happens at home directly ties in with the rest of our day, directly ties in with the relationships we have in and around us. It directly ties in. It's all connected. And today we're going to be speaking from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to start at verse 1. So I'm going to invite you. I don't have the verses up here. I want you to open your Bibles. I want you to read this with me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Follow God's example. Therefore, as beloved, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Everybody say, the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering. Everybody say offering. And sacrifice. Say sacrifice. sacrifice. He gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Because these are improper for God's Holy people, nor should, there, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is, is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, because of such things... God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Who are disobedient. So, I'm really going to focus on the first two verses. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that list of things that we shouldn't do. Uh, I'm going to touch on that a little bit because it directly affects the first two verses. Okay, But the big idea today is that loving others the way Jesus loved us will lead us into the way of love. Loving others the way Jesus loved us will lead us into the way of love. Into the way of love. So, what is the way of love? What is the way of love? Well, according to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, the example left through us the, the the example left to us through the life of Jesus, that is the that is the way of love. Another version says that therefore be imitators of Christ. Therefore, be imitators of Christ. That we should follow God's example. We should imitate God's example. And we should walk in the way of love. To walk in the way of love, church, 
is that we must, to really walk in the way of love, we need to understand what love is. Okay? What is love? First of all, love is not a sexual attraction. God, love is not a, a, a lust feeling towards someone. Okay? Uh, now, there can be attractions, there can be all that, but those are emotions, those are feelings. Love is truly, truly what God, what Jesus did for us. Where Jesus gave himself up as an offering and a sacrifice. And see, here's the thing. Many times, many times we know to say the right things. We know to say, I love you. We know that we should love our spouse. We know we should love our children. We know that we should love our parents. We know that we should love our siblings, our brothers and sisters. We know the right things to say. We know how to look that certain way so that it appears that, we may, that we're loving people. And sometimes, I don't even give it to you, sometimes we don't even do this on purpose, that we're trying to deceive anybody. But the reality is that our actions, everybody say actions, our actions are not truly showing love. Our actions are not showing love. So it becomes a conflict. Well, you say you love me, but your actions do not show me that you love me. You say you love me, but, but you're not showing me. You're not acting and you're not walking in the way of love. See, what happens is that when we put ourselves first, we have this problem, church. We have the problem that we tend to be selfish. When we put our desires above anybody else's desires, when we put our loves above any other loves, when we put our hobbies above any other, anybody else's needs, when we put the things that we want to do above anything else that anybody wants to do, that becomes us, that makes us selfish. Walking in the way of love is to love others just as Jesus loved us. So Jesus even said in, in, in John chapter 13 verse 35, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So how will you know that I am a follower of Christ? Well, first of all, you'll see it in my family. Do I love my wife? Do I love my children? Then you'll see it in my relationships. Do I truly show love and concern and, and in my actions with others, my friends, uh, the people around me, those people that are close to me? How do I show love? Because Jesus said, if you're my follower, if you're my disciple, if you're my student, if I am leading you, people will know that you are my follower if you love one another. If you love one another. This is challenging. This is challenging to love one another. What is the, the golden rule? Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And then Jesus said, uh, when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment of, the, of them all? Is to love God and to love your neighbor just as you love yourself. doesn't matter what color they are. It doesn't matter what uh, level of society they come from. It doesn't matter that they may speak different than you. It doesn't matter even if you can't even understand each other as you're talking. Love your neighbor. Have you ever had a neighbor that, that, that 
that just is a bit quirky, maybe uh, you just can't get along with them, and, and you kind of roll your eyes every time you get home and they're out and you got to kind of greet them, and oh my gosh, it's, he's out there. And then you're mowing the lawn and you got to make sure that line is perfect because you don't want to mow any of his grass, right? You can't because there's just a... It's not very, very... Um, it's not very peaceful of us, right? But Jesus said, you got to love your neighbor. Even if you don't want to mow his lawn, you may need to mow his lawn a little bit. Even if you, you see that... We had a neighbor at one time with, when I lived with my parents that my dad would sometimes be really busy. Um, at least this is what I remember. He'd be very busy. Sometimes he couldn't get around to mowing the lawn. And our neighbor would just mow the lawn. Nobody asked him. Nobody. Now, to me, that was showing some sort of concern for the neighbor. We even experienced this at one time at my home in, in, when we first got married. Um, Kenneth was his name, and he would, on occasion, not all the time, I would mow the lawn, but the thing is that I didn't have a weed eater, and I couldn't do the edging, so I would just mow the lawn, and that was it. And then I would notice every once in a while that while Kenneth was out uh, edging and doing his lawn, he would go all the way around, and then one time I asked him, hey, thank you, I told him, thank you for doing that, and he's like, oh yeah, I almost got it worked down to where it won't be as hard next time. And I was like, wow, he's showing concern for his neighbor. That's what Jesus said. Love your neighbors. Doesn't matter if you can't communicate with them. Doesn't matter whether they cause you to roll your eyes every once in a while. How are we loving our neighbors? But see, the deeper issue is that sometimes we can love our neighbors. We can love everyone around us. But at home, it's a different story. Outside of the home, we're one person. Again, we know what to say. We know how to look. We know how to act. But when we get home, that courteous, kind man or woman that everybody knows takes on a different persona. And Jesus said, that the Bible says that we need to walk in the way of love. That they will know you are my disciples how by how you love one another. So the question becomes, how do we walk in the way of love? I believe Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 mentions two things that we can do. Number one, Jesus was an offering. An offering, just for reference point... An offering is something given as a gift or a contribution to someone or to something. Jesus was an offering to God for us. For the very same reason you and I, we should be an offering for our families. We should be giving with our families. We should be generous with our families. And in verses 3 to 6, what we read about, among you there not should be any kind of hint of sexual immorality, any kind of impurity, or any greed, because these are improper. These are some of the things that you and I need to learn to let go of if we are going to truly love our family and love our home. 
we need to let go of certain things to show love. And some of these things, they may seem to give pleasure to us. On the, on the surface, it may look enjoyable. It may look like it's pleasurable. It may look like it's something that, that it, there may not be any harm in it. They may bring riches or fame. But if we are considering one another, and we are considering our families, we're considering our home, when we get married, we give up certain things. Praise God. We get married, we become exclusive to our partner, to our spouse. When we get married, the things that we knew about our spouse while we were courting, while we were dating, we, it begins to expand. We begin to find out, well, they don't like this neither. Or they like to do this and I don't like to do that. We begin to grow in our understanding of who that person is. And we begin to understand, or we should begin to move into that, into that direction where there are certain things I need to leave behind. Now, you may not be married here. But maybe you will be married one day. And you may be having issues with parents or with siblings. All these things apply in any relationship. There are things that you and I need to offer up. We need to give in a relationship. There is, um, I, I, we prepared some tools for you guys. And after the service, there's going to be a table set up with us. And one of the, the books I would recommend for, if you want to read a book and you want to kind of learn more about how to love one another, and we don't really have time to go through this, but there is a book called The Five Love Languages. And the five love languages are this. Number one, words of affirmation. Number two, quality time. Number three, receiving gifts. Number four, acts of service. And the last one is physical touch. All the guys are like, I like the physical touch part. You know? But there are many different ways to love one another. And after the, t after the service, we have a couple of tools that we prepared. Uh, and you guys can take some of these. These are, you can stick them in your Bible and, and you can kind of look over one. Uh, this one says how to speak your spouse's love language. And it, and it goes over words of affirmation, physical touch, receiving gifts, quality time, acts of service, and how to communicate these things. How the, some of the actions you can take, the things that you may need to avoid. Then we have some for living out the five love languages at home. This is more general, more for our children, more for our siblings. And some of the things that we can do to speak people's love languages, people's love language in our home and those people around us. We also have this wonderful little write-up. The five love languages test for couples, and then the five love languages for teens. Good luck getting your teens to do this, but encourage them. So we'll have these out on the table, okay? I think this is important stuff, because if I don't understand how my wife receives love, and I'm speaking a completely different language than what she is wanting from me, then there's always going to be a, a friction. There's always going to be a, 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 a tension in our lives, because we are not able to speak the same language. And this is where we are an offering. Where maybe, maybe I'm not all that uh, um, into giving gifts. But if my wife is all about receiving gifts, then I need, I, need to, I need to learn to offer this up. 
So we're going to have that available for you, okay? So I encourage you to take some of these. So the first thing we need to do, understand is that Jesus was an offering. The second thing that Jesus was is that Jesus was a sacrifice. A sacrifice is an act of giving up something of value for the sake of something that is of greater importance. Sacrifice is the act of giving up something of value for the sake of something that is of greater importance. At the end of the day, this is the gospel that we preach. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The important thing was his son. But something that he had a great, he placed great value on was you and was me. I need to connect with my creation. I need to create a way for my, my creation, for my, my sons and my daughters to come back to me. Sin has separated them from me. Unrighteousness covers them. I will give my son as a sacrifice. To this world. So that now there can be a path for you and me to walk through. To be able to have a relationship with God. Jesus was a sacrifice. This is what we preach. This is why we gather. This is why we're here. Because Jesus gave himself for you and for me. And that important thing was you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm important. Nobody believes it in this place. My goodness. I love the enthusiasm. Honey, you're important. <laughs> Thank you. We have to understand that God gave of himself as a sacrifice for you and for me. And we have to learn how to carry this out in our homes, in our families. Yes, there are going to be sacrifices in our lives. And my question to you today is that, that, that we, 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 we need to examine, we need to ask ourselves, what have I been stealing from my family in order to gratify myself? What have I been taking from my family in order to satisfy my desires? Now, it may appear noble on the surface, just looking from the outside in. It may look noble that you want to work so many hours so that you may provide for your family and you can feed your family and you can provide a beautiful home. But I, I want to submit to you that maybe, maybe your family would be okay with a, a smaller home, a smaller car, and they would rather have mom at home. They would rather have dad at home. What are you taking from your family in the name of good things or in the appearance of noble things? But your family is suffering from it. Have we lost balance? 
Maybe, maybe it's an addiction that needs to be addressed and you know it needs to be addressed, but you're kind of, you're ashamed or, or you feel like, uh, like no one's going to help you and you don't want to seek help. Or, or could it be secretly that, that you don't want it to be discovered and you won't want to seek help because you don't want to let go of it yet. But your family is crying out. We need you, mom. We need you, dad. Your parents are crying out, I need you, son. I need you, daughter. What are we stealing that we're not willing to sacrifice for our family? And I want to tell you that today, God is telling you, let it go. It's not worth it. There is something of greater value and greater importance, and that is your family. It's called your home. Now, there may be some of us here that we're still struggling with a little bit with this whole Jesus thing and we're still trying to figure things out. Is this true? Is this real? Can this be for me? Can Jesus love me? I am so mired in this addiction. I have done so many things that go against his will. I just don't know if I can be loved. Home. Is where the heart is. When our heart is in Jesus, we're at home. When our heart is with Jesus, connected to Jesus, in tune with Jesus, we are home. We have a a video that we want to show. It's about eight minutes long, but I think it's very impactful. And it's a testimony of of this man by the name of Brian Sumner and what God did in his life. He was living a selfish life. So let's watch this. The problem is that sometimes we live our lives as we're first in everything. With God, we're first before God. We're first in our family. Everything is about us. But Jesus was a sacrifice. The Apostle Paul says, follow God in the way of love. When we walk in the way of love, we are an offering and we are a sacrifice for our families, for our homes. Again, loving others the way Jesus loved us will lead us into the way of love. And today I want to challenge you. I'm going to challenge husbands and wives at the, at the risk of starting World War III on the way home. Okay? I know this is risky. This is, this is something dangerous. But if there is ever going to be a place that we can call home that is peaceful, that is a place of rest, and there is true companionship, there is true friendship, we need to honestly, honestly ask each other this question. What is the one way I can be less selfish in our relationship? So today on your way home, maybe you're going to go out to eat, maybe after you finish eating and you're riding home, ask your wife, ask your husband, how can I be less selfish in our relationship? Now, I only see one or two people writing this down. You guys are going to forget. Take a picture. It's up here. 
Ask this question. I'm going to ask my wife today, and I'm kind of scared of the answers. Yeah. But I'm going to ask, she's going to ask me the same thing. What is the one way I can be less selfish in our relationship? Those of you that aren't married, you can go home and you can ask this question to your parents. You can ask this question to your brothers and your sisters. Um, if you're dating, you can ask this question to, to that person that you're, because when you're dating, you're kind of thinking and looking that maybe this is going to be your husband or your wife in the future. Start asking these questions. Begin developing this in your lives. How can I be less selfish in our relationship? I'm going to ask you to stand. Father, we come before your presence. Lord, I thank you for just how good you've been to us and how good you are to us as a father. You gave everything for us. And today, Lord, we just want to walk in the way of love. We want to be able to sacrifice ourselves. We want to be able to give of ourselves for our families, for our parents, for those that we love that are around us so that we, Lord, can be a reflection of you in this earth. Now, there are families here that have been struggling. There are marriages here that have been struggling. And it's very many different reasons and the issues are complicated. The issues are complex. But we know, Lord... That the answer to any problem is Jesus, is you. And we just ask you, God, that you would come and flood our hearts. That you would come and flood our homes with your love. And that love that you have given us, that instant that we have met you, and that instant that we know you, that that can permeate out from uh, within us to those around us. That we can be that light to our family, to our loved ones, to everywhere we go. You are a good father. And we want to walk with you. Now, before, before we start singing, before we start doing anything, I'm going to, I want to do something different. This is a series on family. We're gonna, I'm not sure if we're going to be doing this for four or five weeks. But I believe, I truly believe God is going to do some amazing things in our families the next few weeks. And, and I want to pray for the families today. So I'm going to invite you. Come with your wife. Come with your husband. And come stand up here in the altar. Let me pray for you. Let us, just as a, as a church, unite as families.